Ephesians chapter 5, please. Ephesians chapter 5. Now let's look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you today that as believers we can sing praise to your name. And we thank you, Father, that you gave us voices to sing. We thank you that you gave us hymn writers to write the hymns. And we thank you, Father God, for the privilege of being here today. And we ask, Father, as we now come to this most important time in, your, in the service around your word, we pray that, Lord, you'd guide our time in the word. Lord, I do pray today that you'd help us to just to see in your word that which you have written. That, Lord, you'd give us wisdom to understand it. And that, Lord God, you'd bless our hearts through it. Lord, give me wisdom, I pray, from on high to be able to share clearly, Father God, that which you've laid on my heart. May you receive the praise and the glory for today. Lord, bless our time here and in Children's Church today and just honour your Son, we pray, as we join together around your word. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Having challenged us as believers in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, to be filled with the Spirit Paul now goes on to tell us that once we're filled with the Spirit, we'll discover that that filling, that filling of the Holy Spirit will have an impact upon our lives. In fact, it will produce in us a number of responses. As you and I are filled by the Spirit, there is a natural response to that. The natural response will flow out of that. It will produce, just to name a few, joyfulness, thankfulness, submission, loving husbands, obedient children, victorious Christians... From here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 through Ephesians 6, 20. The Word of God makes it clear that we can only be what God wants us to be in church, in the home, and in the battlefield if we're rightly related to God and if we are filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so today we're going to start looking at the final section of the book of Ephesians. And as we do, we must remember that each of these actions that are produced in our lives are a product of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to start to look at the first of these actions or these responses today as we make our way through the rest of this book. But we have to keep in mind, keep in context, verse 18. Don't forget that. This is all flowing from being filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, these are the product of that. You've possibly been working up to this, talking about the fact that you and I are the children of God, therefore we're to walk as children of light, and you and I are not to walk as the, the, in the flesh and not to walk as other men walk, and we're to be different and we're to be light and so on. We've looked at all of that, and it leads all the way up to this final statement that we are to be filled with the Spirit. This is how we do it. And when we're filled with the Spirit, what is produced in our lives are these things. From here to the end of chapter 6. So we're going to start today by looking at the first of these. When we are filled with the Spirit, or rather we are to be filled with the Spirit so we might edify one another. Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in Psalms 
and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, edifying one another. The expression speaking to yourselves really means speaking among yourselves. The Greek word speaking here means speaking publicly. So that is endeavoring to edify one another by songs of praise. The whole point of this is that you and I are supposed to, once we're filled with the Spirit, we are endeavoring to edify one another through songs of praise. When he says speaking to yourselves, he's not talking about muttering. Okay, he's not saying that you and I are supposed to walk around all day long. Okay, that's not what he's saying. Okay, he's not saying muttering to yourselves. Speaking to yourselves, speaking among yourselves, speaking publicly among yourselves. And how do you do that? With songs, with singing, singing and making melody in your hearts. We are to edify by songs of praise. This has the force of a command. And it's a matter of obligation for the Christian. He's commanding you and I to do this, that you and I are to edify one another through singing and making melody in our hearts. We're to express feelings of gratitude and thanksgiving publicly so that we might edify one another. When you and I consider everything that Paul's talked about in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter right through to verse 18 you and I have much to give thanks to God for much to praise him for and the point here is that now as you and I realize that and we're filled with the spirit then you and I are to publicly express our thanksgiving and our gratitude to God so that we might edify one another and we do that through singing this is where worship comes in Part of the reason of a public singing in church, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, it says here in verse 19, that's what it says, is speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Part of the reason for publicly singing in the church these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs is so that you and I, by our praise, may edify each other. There is something, isn't there, about congregational singing? There's something about being in church and singing as a congregation. There's, there's nothing quite like it. There, there is something unique about congregational singing, especially when you and I sing the old hymns of the faith. We sing those hymns that speak of doctrine. We speak those, sing those songs that are rich in, in meaning, you know, the old rugged cross and blessed be the name. And, and as Angel played, you know, it is well with my soul. There is something about those songs that, that when you and I unite together in singing, it does something for us. It uplifts us, it edifies us, and it's supposed to. It's supposed to be uplifting, it's supposed to be edifying. You know, from the beginning of the church, praise and singing was an important part of worship. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, please. 1 Corinthians 14. And verse 15. What is it then? I pray with the Spirit and I pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. Paul talks about singing here in the early church here in 
1 Corinthians. It's also practiced by the Savior himself and the other apostles. Look in Matthew chapter 26, please. Matthew 26. And uh, this is the passage we do the Lord's table. The Lord's gathered his disciples together at the, uh, around that uh, uh, last supper uh, in the upper room. And at the end of that time where he has taken the cup and the bread and he's told them about the Lord's table, it comes to the end of that time. And uh, he says in verse 29, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then verse 30. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the man of olives. So right there, at the very beginning of all of this, as Jesus Christ is about to go out and die upon the cross of Calvary, his disciples and himself sing a hymn. In Corinthians, they, Paul talks about singing in the church. And from the beginning of the church, praise and singing were an important part of it. Singing formed in part, part of the church as well as in all the churches throughout the ages. When you and I are filled with the spirits, we'll have a desire to worship God. And part of that desire to worship God is, to, is a desire to encourage other believers in their relationship with God. And one of the ways we do that is by singing unto the Lord. Now the connection with being filled with the spirits and praise is significant here. Because those who are filled with the Spirit will naturally praise. That's verse 18 and 19. Be not drunk with wine, where is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Semicolon. Speaking to yourself. So here is the continuation of that thought. This is how, this is the result of being filled. But be ye filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Thought continues giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. In the name of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, and continue submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You and I, when we're filled with the Spirit, the natural result of that is that you and I will speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs when we sing and make melody in our heart unto God. Now, we're to praise with psalms. It's a reference to the Old Testament Psalter, the psalms. The hymns are a reference to New Testament songs of praise to God and Christ. And the spiritual songs are lyrics dwelling on other themes about the Christian life. Lord willing, next time we'll come back to these three psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and uh, kind of explore them a little bit more. I, I didn't quite know how to address this. I, I, I spent quite a bit of time thinking over this, and, and I, I think this is the best way to do it. We'll deal with the subject matter in entirety, and then we'll come back to the three categories mentioned here in this passage at the next time we come back to Ephesians. But no, when we are filled with the spirits, we'll love to sing. It says in verse 19, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing... And make a melody in your heart to the Lord, singing. Here is made clear that the prevailing character of music in worship of God should be vocal. We should sing. You know what the Psalms are all about? They're all 
words meant to be sung. You're supposed to use your voice in the Psalms. The, the major component of worship with this matter of, of worship service is to sing. It's, a, it's vocal. Major part of music ought to be vocal, singing, not instrumental. Now, don't get me wrong, before somebody thinks I'm saying it's wrong to have instruments, I'm not saying that. Okay, I haven't said that. I'm not saying we shouldn't play the piano and organ. I'm not saying that Angela did the wrong thing this morning, just playing an instrumental while we had the offering. Okay, so please don't get me wrong. I'm simply saying this, that the overriding component, the thing that stands out about this matter of uh, you and I worshipping God is it's a vocal praise. Now, instruments have their place, but worship is a matter of the heart expressed by the voice. And if instruments are employed, they should be subordinate to the singing. They should not overpower the singing. So the service may be characterized as a song service. You see, singing here is the, a direct and solemn act of worship. It should be considered as such. It, it's, if you like, singing is as much of a prayer as our prayers are. When you and I open the hymnal up and we start to sing those songs of praise, you and I are praising God. We're not praising each other. We're not praising what we've done. Our, our hymn book's called The Great Hymns of the Faith. We're praising God about the faith that we have because of God and because of Jesus Christ. We're singing about Calvary. We're singing about the God who's holy, holy, holy. We're speaking about a worship the King. These are the things that matter. And in singing, we should regard ourselves as speaking directly to God. When we sing songs of praise, we worship God. Notice what it says in verse 19. It says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We're expressing our praise to the Lord. The words, therefore, should be spoken with some amount of solemnity or awe, as if we were singing in the presence of Almighty God, as though Jesus Christ himself was sitting here in our presence, we're singing in majesty and awe of the King of Kings, for this, he is here with us. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there are I in the midst. He's here. And therefore the music, that which accompanies the singing, should also promote the same solemnity and awe. There should be a, a reverence about the music that accompanies the songs. One commentator says of the early church, as they sang among themselves hymns to Christ as God. They sang among themselves hymns to Christ as God. If it's true, the true nature of singing is designed, and public singing is designed for you and I to glorify God and by doing so edify one another then we should all regard singing as an act of, act of solemn worship. 
that when you and I open up that hymn book and we're singing those songs, we're doing it as an act of worship. And we're doing it from the heart, even if we cannot sing. You see, this is not about, it doesn't say, those of you who have got a voice to sing, let them sing. It says that all of us who are filled with the Spirit ought to express that by speaking to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, all of us, singing, and making melody in our heart. And there's everybody, no matter how good a voice or bad a voice you have, can make melody in the heart, and that can be reduced by making a noise under the Lord. And we can all be thankful for that. Some people can't sing. Some people can sing absolutely beautifully. And some of us just muddle along. But the glorious thing about this is that it's from the heart. You and I are worshipping God with our voices in song. Expressing our praise and admiration for God because in our hearts we are filled with the Spirit and it's overflowing of joy because of our relationship with our God and our King. You and I want to let it out. Isn't that what the first song said this morning? All creatures of our God and King, sing hallelujah. And that's what we do when we come together as a church. You know, and therefore, public singing should not be entrusted to light and frivolous music, to the trivial, to the careless, but it should be taken seriously. And also those who conduct that part of public worship ought to be serious and ought to seek to magnify Christ and not themselves. I'm saying, you know, therefore the song leader and the service leader ought to prepare their hearts for worship of the Redeemer just as much as the preacher has to prepare his heart for the preaching of the word. It's also right to say that anyone seeking to sing ought to give themselves to Christ and to sing from the heart. And it ought to also be true that anyone who sings in a church choir or special item music and sings praise to God ought also to prepare their hearts for this act of worship, this act of praise around the throne of God. You see, the, 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 the part of the service, that worship part of the service, where we sing and we pray prior to the preaching is not just something we do to waste time. I mean, we could just turn up to church, get up and I could preach and we could all go home and we'd only be here for a short period of time. And these days shorter than it used to be. Okay? We could do that, but we don't. What we do is we come and we have what's called an order of service and we sing songs. Sometimes we have specialised in music. This morning we had an offertory played so beautifully. Why do we do that? Because this is all part of this matter of worship. It's all part of the worship service. And you and I need to come to church with hearts prepared. Do you know why the piano and organ play at the beginning, about five minutes before the service starts? It's not so they can warm up their fingers and warm up the instruments. You know, that really is a time. That's a call to worship. That's what it used to be called when I was younger and went to church. You know, when we heard that 
happening. That was the call to worship. The moment the music started, my parents would grab me and take us inside and sit us down and say, shh, it's the call to worship. It's the time for you to sit silently and pray and ask God to, to work in your heart so that when you start to sing, you're singing praise unto Almighty God and you've already sought his face. We're in tune with him and the whole service then becomes an act of worship. Because the preacher's prepared his heart, the song leader's prepared his heart, the service leader's prepared his heart, the, the musicians have prepared their hearts, and the congregation's prepared their hearts, and we've come together for that time. I know that we often think that when that music starts, it means we've got five more minutes to enjoy the sunshine, five more minutes to enjoy the fellowship, five more minutes just to get ready to get inside. But really, it is a time of a call to worship, and it's the time to ask you to come and sit and think and pray. Because this matter of singing is something that flows from a spirit-filled life. Singing is an act of worship, not a performance, beloved. And when we're filled with the spirits, we will sing. And secondly, when we're filled with the spirit, we'll make melody in our hearts. Verse 19. Speaking of yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, the word melody, if you go to a dictionary, the word melody is an agreeable succession of sounds so regulated and modulated as to please the ear. That's the melody. That's the technical definition of it. It's an agreeable succession of sounds so regulated and modulated as to please the ear. And the melody, of course, is that which we sing in church. That's the melody. But it's not certain, however, that that's what the apostle had in mind here when he used this word in reference to what he's saying here. Because the Greek word he uses that's translated melody doesn't mean uh, agreeable succession of sounds, so regulate and modulate as to please the ear. The word which he uses means to touch or to pluck. It's to, Strong puts it this way, I loved it. Strong says, is to twitch a string, to twang it as the string of a bow and the string of an instrument of music. You have to twitch the string or twang the string, just like you would with a guitar or a lyre or a harp or one other one of those string instruments. So when he uses the when we use the the King James translators use the word melody here. I'm not really sure what Paul meant by this because it also, this word, this wonderful Greek word that he used, which means to twang, to twitch, to pluck, also means to sing. Perhaps carrying the idea of being accompanied with a lyre or a harp. So I thought, okay, well, that's a great lot of help to my study. Let's have a look at what, how else is used in the New Testament. So I went to Romans 5.19 and 1 Corinthians 14.15 where the word is used and it's translated sing. In James chapter 5 and verse 13 it's rendered sing psalms. And here in 5.19 it says making melody in your heart. So what does this word mean? Well it seems to me the idea here is that of singing in the heart, of praising God from the heart, that the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs would be sung so that the heart might be engaged, might be plucked, might be twanged, might be strummed, 
so that it's not just mere music, but it's an external expression of our hearts. It's not a performance, it's an act of worship. Because nobody says we're to make melody in our hearts. So the melody is made in the heart and then is produced by our singing. I think that's what he means. That as you and I meditate upon the greatness of God, when you and I meditate upon all that Christ has done for us, when you and I consider what Ephesians tells us about, that we're by grace you're saved through faith, and not of yourselves the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. That you and I can, can read Ephesians, that you and I get blessed by Ephesians, that as you and I meditate upon the greatness of our God and the greatness of our Savior, that our hearts are plucked, that our hearts are strummed, so that there is melody which is produced, produces singing to the glory of God. I think that's what it means. So that it starts in here. See, it's not meant to be a performance. It's meant to be an expression of a heart's relationship with God. The worship service is not a time of entertainment. If you want entertainment, that's what you do elsewhere. Church is about worship. And since it's not about entertainment, it can't be about performance. It is, the, the, it is to give spirit-filled believers the opportunity to express from their hearts their thanksgiving to God. We're not performing for each other, beloved. Worship in the Lord. And our worship and our singing is directed to Him. Now, I do think it's no accident that there is a contrast here made between secular and sacred in the sense that in verse 18 he talks about be not drunk with wine where is excess but be filled with the spirit here is the contrast there is a result of being drunk with wine and there is a result of being filled with the spirit he doesn't tell us what the result of being drunk with wine is because that's fairly obvious but he does want you and I to know what the result of being filled with the Spirit is. And there's a contrast here between the secular and the sacred. Just as sacred music has a message, so non-Christian music has a message as well. You know, in today's world, there's a little discern discernment is needed to understand the message heard in the bars and the clubs and panned on stage shows and rock concerts around our world. For their message, for the most part, focus on themes corresponding directly and specifically to what Paul described as the desires of the flesh. In Ephesians 2.3, he talks about that. He says, the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh. The unsaved fulfill the desires of the flesh, and their music reflects their spiritual condition. Galatians chapter 5, verses 9 and 21, Paul talks about this matter. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. Now, if you and I were to take the time to study the lyrics of most current music, you and I may well be amazed about how many of these are the themes presented and promoted in that music. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, 
hatred, variance, emulations, and so on. They're all found in the, in, the, in the words and the lyrics of the songs that the popular world sings. Much contemporary rock focuses on fornication, homosexuality, and drugs, and something promotes Satan worship. And what's more, the environment in which these songs are often performed is populated by people who are preoccupied with the intake of alcohol or the intake of drugs. Therefore, I don't think there's any accident that Paul spoke to the Christians using Christ-centered music to encourage one another just after he speaks about an exhortation to not be drunk with wine. See, I think he has in mind what happens when people are drunk with wine. People do tend to sing when they've had a bit too much to drink. You've all seen the TV shows where somebody gets up and sings karaoke and they shouldn't be singing anything, but they think they are the next best uh, they think the next, uh, you know, X Factor winner or whatever it might be, you know, they think that they're going to make it because they've got a great voice and they get up there and they sing karaoke and everybody, is, those who are sober, think that it's terrible and those who are drunk are clapping them and cheering them and everything else because, you know, when people get drunk, they sing and they sing uh, uh, the, the way they do, but it's because they're filled with alcohol, not because they're filled with the Spirit. And I don't think Paul accidentally, I don't think the Lord accidentally put verse 18 and verse 19 together. They're there for a reason. He's saying, don't be drunk with wine because that produces a certain kind of response. But be filled with the Spirit and that produces a different kind of response. And part of that response is that you will speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and you'll sing and you'll make melody in your heart unto the Lord. Because you're filled with the spirit. And drunkenness leads to self-control. The loss of self-control. When people get high on chemicals or get high on alcohol, they sing, but it's not to build one another up. Their music is a preoccupation with the desires of the flesh. Our singing, beloved, should be from the heart controlled by the spirit. And it should bring glory to the Lord. It should be different from that of the world. Now, what Paul had to say to the Ephesians here about singing and worshipping is certainly applicable to every believer, isn't it? Our worship music should be different from the world's music because the world's music reflects where they're at. It reflects their attitudes. It reflects their lifestyle. It reflects what they think our music ought to be different because it ought to reflect our relationship with God it ought to reflect our, our relationship with the, the Savior it ought to reflect where we're at it ought to reflect our worship it ought to be an act of worship it ought to be different from that of the world and that's what Paul's getting at here there's a contrast here and the contrast is that when you and I are filled with the Spirit, it will produce a certain type of singing from the heart as the heart strings are plucked by the, the glory of God. There will be melody in the hearts. They will produce singing. And you and I will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the glory of God. Now let's remember that while our lips may sing, the heart must join in the melody of the lips in order for it to be uplifting. 
In order for you and I to edify one another, our hearts need to be engaged in this as much as our lips are engaged in this. So that our hearts are lifted up to God and our voices are in response to that lift up to God. Because, you know, there is a danger that we can get to the place whereby when we sing in church, we're simply singing with our lips, but not singing with our hearts. But we're supposed to sing from the heart. The lips should reflect the melody that's in our heart. The music we sing should reflect our relationship with our God. And it should be different from that of the world. So let's take heed to this command. And let's speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. When we come to church, let's make that worship time truly that, an act of worship from the heart to the glory of God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And I trust, Father God, that I've been able to explain it succinctly enough, Father God, that we can understand it. And Lord, you'd help us to realize that the worship time of the service, the singing time of the service, is when we speak among ourselves in order to edify each other through the singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs which are generated by our relationship to you through the filling of the Spirit that causes our hearts to rejoice and our lips to sing forth praise. Lord, help us to make the whole of the service from the beginning to end an act of worship to your glory. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.